Good morning. My name is John Reddy. I'm privileged to serve as one of the pastors here at Redemption Hill Church. You know, over 20 years ago, I was approached at my former church and asked to serve as an elder in that church. And, and I thought very carefully about it, and ultimately I agreed. Um, on a Sunday morning after a commissioning service, uh, there was a reception. And as I was in the reception, I had a congregant come up to me and slap me on the back and, you know, congratulate me. Congratulations, John, on becoming an elder. Now that you're an elder, I guess you get to have the best parking spot is what he said. And uh, I'm very thankful that in that moment, um, I was gracious enough to be able to answer and say, you know, no, I don't think you understand. Today, now that I'm an elder, I get the privilege of the worst parking spot. For even uh, then, I had been trained and discipled that the, the role of an elder is one of a servant leader. And it flows from the New Testament. And we're going to take a look at that uh, today. Because I think sometimes there's confusion amongst ourselves around how that works and, and what are the attitudes that are important during that time. And so if you're going to open up your Bibles this morning, I encourage you to turn to the first letter of Peter. We're going to look in chapter 5, and I'm going to begin by reading verses 1 to 4. Verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You know, as Pastor Turley taught us over the last uh, couple of weeks, especially up until the end of chapter 4, we're reminded that the Apostle Peter uh, told us we weren't to be astonished when we suffer. Uh, for four chapters, he Peter reminds us that uh, God uh, does use suffering to purify the church, and, and therefore the church needs to understand how to properly respond to any suffering that's encountered. And, and beginning here in, in verse 1, Peter turns his attention to the key relationships that are found within the body of Christ with a special sort of strong exhortation or charge to leaders within the church, those that are responsible for guiding the church, during, especially during times of trial, namely the elders. Now, that term should not be unfamiliar to us. It's a common New Testament term. Uh, it's the form of leadership that we find throughout the New Testament. Example would be in Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 23. We're told that wherever the Apostle Paul and his team went, um, they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting. They committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Uh, it's clear from multiple other references that are found throughout the New Testament that all local churches were governed by what we call a plurality or a team of elders. It wasn't just left to one individual. And so Peter's writing uh, to these elders in, in northern Asia Minor, what we know as northern Turkey, in part because the suffering that all believers were facing there put a special strain on the leaders of that church. Now, Peter, at the beginning of this letter, identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But here, uh, beginning in, in verse 1, he identifies himself as a fellow elder. He lets them know that he understands the fears and the temptations 
of those who lead. And, and while he's witnessed and, and he bears authoritative testimony to the sufferings of Jesus himself, Peter declares that his suffering, his participation in suffering, is going to lead him to be a participant, or what he says in, in this scripture, a partaker in the glory that is to come. And this for us should not be a new truth. In every preceding chapter that we've looked at so far, Peter has hammered home the point, yes, we may suffer, but yes, there will be glory. And now here, he says, especially for those who lead in the church. And so um, this, this encouragement that he offers, it does come with some instructions. And this leads me to my first encouragement. And that is simply this. Elders should lead God's people with Jesus's character. You see, throughout the New Testament, there's a number of interchangeable terms that writers will often use to capture the idea of elder. In some cases, the Greek presbyteros focuses on the office itself or, or the dignity or the gravity of the role. And then in other cases, like here in 1 Peter, the Greek episkopos focuses more on, I'd say, the practical functions or the duties of that role. And both terms, when they're used, are often associated with a Greek verb that simply means to shepherd or to feed like we see here in verse 2. And eventually, I think this is helpful to us, the Latin equivalent migrates to the English word that we now know today as pastor. Pastor, elder, the New Testament treats them as equivalent and interchangeable. And so Peter, in verse 2, says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd, poimano, to act as a shepherd, to tend sheep. It's the idea of nurturing and sustaining the flock. Now, this imagery would have been familiar to Peter. Do you remember the conversation that Peter had with Jesus that's found in John 21? You might, but let me just read it for you. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him for the third time, feed my sheep. You see, Jesus reassures Peter by emphasizing what I think is almost like a three-time commissioning ceremony that can blunt the effect of the three times that Peter had denied even knowing Jesus. In response to, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he tells Peter to feed his lambs, to tend his sheep. It's a clear call to exercise care over Jesus's followers after he is soon to depart. And just as Jesus connected Peter's love for him to Jesus's love for his disciples, so Peter here in verse 2 exhorts elder shepherds to exercise authority even as they feed and watch over the flock. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising authority. 
You see here, the Apostle Peter um, moves from the focus on what elders do, and he thinks more about how do they do the responsibilities that are entrusted to them. And he instructs us here with three carefully matched, contrasting pairs of phrases that begin first with a with a negative or an inappropriate attitude, and then they're followed by a positive or an appropriate attitude for elders who want to exercise oversight in a godly manner. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. That impulse to lead must come gladly, and it must come from within. First Timothy 3.11, it puts it this way, that, that elders should want to be elders. And that's not to be haughty or arrogant, but it's to be um, a sense of privilege for shepherding the church. There's a gladness that comes around the task. There's an understanding of joy in fulfilling God's will instead of simply doing it out of a sense of compulsion. Many of you have heard me say, NGNP, no guilt, no pressure. God issues the ultimate NGNP to elders and invites them into the privilege of serving. Peter goes on to say, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And, and eagerly, what he means by this is being paid is okay. We know that. First Timothy chapter 5, it's clear. But elders are not to pursue shameful gain. Um, avarice is an old-time word that often gets used. There should be no greed. There should be no fondness for dishonest gain. And then the third is not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And those examples are to be examples of, of serving, not demanding, not flaunting. Rather, humility and self-sacrifice and love for God and, and passion and worship and generosity and devotion to family and ultimately obedience to Jesus in all things. Elders, the scriptures say, are to serve as examples to the congregation, not use their place as a means of dominating other people and pursuing personal agendas. In short, Peter says that an elder should not operate as a shepherd motivated by a love of praise or a love of profit or a love of power. Rather, the Apostle Peter echoes what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires, Paul says, a noble task. But listen here. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. By the time we get to verse 4, Peter makes it clear that this overseer, after all, is serving as God's shepherd, but under the authority of a greater shepherd, or as Peter uh, calls Jesus here, the chief shepherd. And again, this shouldn't surprise us. The writer of Hebrews reminds us in uh, chapter 13, verse 20, that all followers of Jesus live under the watch care of Jesus. Listen to what it says. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by his blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with what? Every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
You see, throughout his letter, Peter makes it clear that submission to rightful authority is always a posture of godly faith. And so how much more should it be that all elders operate in deferential service as under shepherds to the great shepherd? And as a result, for humble service to the body of Christ, there is, Peter says, a reward what Peter calls an unfading crown of glory. And, and whether this metaphor is the fruit of salvation or a particular reward uh, for faithful pastors, it's clear that this unfading crown is not made of gold and studded with diamonds and jewels, but it's the ultimate motivation of exercising how in sacrificial service that leads to the ultimate glory that all faithful believers in Christ are going to share and experience together upon his return. You see, by taking the time to carefully consider Peter's exhortations to elders, it, it, it's my prayer that this morning you hear the hearts of the elders of Redemption Hill Church. Tanner, John, Stephen, and myself we aspire to serve in the spirit that the Apostle Peter outlines here and other New Testament writers clearly direct. Honestly, I can't tell you how many times during one of our meetings together, we literally exhort each other with the words that Peter records here, shepherd the flock that is among us, for we see that as our primary charge. It's a reminder for ourselves that we operate under the leadership of Jesus Christ. And honestly, we take that responsibility as a privilege, but it's a privilege that comes with conditions of humility. I want you to know that we regularly wrestle with this call upon our lives, and we strive to see each other and every one of you grow in your spiritual journey with Jesus individually, yes, and for us as Redemption Hill Church to grow in our spiritual journey as the body of Christ in Greater Medford together. And so can I ask you, would you pray for us? We covet your prayers of intercession. And while you're at it, would you pray for our next elder, whoever that may be, that God would already be raising up another elder in the life of our church, one with a heart that is already beating in sync with the heart of the chief shepherd. And while you're at it, pray for everyone in our church, because the Apostle Peter goes on to share that the elders cannot, nor should they, serve alone. For the chief shepherd, or, or the head of the church, as the Apostle Paul refers to Jesus in Ephesians, has created a new community with a way of living that honestly is foreign to many of the cultures that are around us. And so that brings me to my second uh, encouragement. And that's simply this, God's people should treat each other with humility. If you turn your attention to 1 Peter 5.5, 5, uh, he records here, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble.
just as Peter outlines how elders exercise their responsibilities for the flock of God, he now begins to outline the responsibilities of the flock of God itself. And the cornerstone responsibility is to embrace humility in relations to the elders and also in relationship with each other. You know, as this turns out, this is a, a cornerstone attitude I've found of eldership, but that shouldn't surprise us. It's the cornerstone example that's given to us by the life of Jesus himself. And so therefore it's the attitude that all Christians should aspire to. Paul reminded Christians in Philippi like this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now listen to the example, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So whether you're a new convert to faith in Christ, or just chronologically a younger person, or any member um, in our church community, uh, the human temptation is probably always towards discord. It's probably always going to be present as we're in the process of being transformed. You see, individually, every one of us is at different steps in our spiritual journey. We have different needs, different circumstances, different life experiences. The truth be told, we all struggle with different temptations and different fears and different weaknesses. And the Apostle James tells us in chapter 4 of his letter um, that this can be the foundation of quarrelsomeness and divisiveness, but he encourages us with the antidote. He says that we are to humble ourselves before the Lord in James chapter 4, verse 10. And likewise here, I think the Apostle Peter appeals to us for that very same humility. It should be the kind of humility that, that sort of permeates and oozes in the life of our church. Maybe you can think of it like this. When we gather together again in person, I don't think anyone is going to come naked to our worship service. We're all going to make careful decisions to clothe ourselves. Here, the Apostle Peter says, make sure when we get dressed, we clothe ourselves in humility, especially in our dealings with each other. For God, he says, and he reminds us, opposes those who are proud, those who are arrogant, and I think ultimately those that seek to serve their own purposes. I think this is so important for us to remember. At a time in our society when controversy and passions and pressures are running so intense, it would be wise for us as the body of Christ to call upon God, ask him to shower on each of us his special kindness, his extraordinary blessing, his unique empowerment, and his unique enabling presence, so that we would not be full of our own self-worth, but we would commit ourselves to live united in Christ with his mind, his motivations, and under his shepherding care. The Apostle Paul told the Ephesians, that God gives leaders, like pastor shepherds, to the body of Christ, but he gives them with a goal in mind. In Ephesians 4, verses 15 to 16, he says, we are to grow up 
in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. My prayer for us this morning is that we might live the kind of corporate life together that actually speaks to our culture and it points their attention to what binds us together. And then that would be done to the glory of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's shepherds are to lead God's people God's way. Speaking for the elders at Redemption Hill Church, we take our call to exercise authority with, with really great seriousness. We take to heart the exhortation that the Apostle Paul gave to the Ephesian elders. He said, listen what he said, pay careful attention to yourselves. He's talking to elders and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Honestly, as we pay careful attention to ourselves as elders, we are woefully aware of the difficulties that we face and the limits of our personal capacities and even our nagging shortcomings, especially in the midst of pressure. And so I just humbly ask you again, pray for us, your elders, even as we pray for you. Let's live in community together in the kind of relationship that just, it just astounds our community. It's not going to be easy. There's some unique times ahead of us. There's some difficulties that we still need to move through. I'm sure for you, this has not been an easy time of decision-making. I can assure you it has not been an easy time of decision-making for us as elders. Uh, some of the challenges that we now face as a church require us to adopt some different ways of thinking, maybe some new approaches to ministry, and maybe some emerging ways of living uh, as the church. In fact, later uh, in this live stream, Pastor Tanner is going to share with us some thoughts about some next steps that we'll be taking as a church in response to the unique times that we live in. But here's what we need to remember. Grounded in the kind of humility that Peter calls all of us to, and united in the goals of our faith in Christ Jesus, we can experience a special kind of grace together, even as we know that our final reward is certain. Would you bow your head as I just pray for us? Father, we have seen that the whole of Christian life as set forth in the first four chapters of 1 Peter has to be pursued in the context of community. It has to be under the loving authority of elders whom God has raised up to guide and guard and feed his people. But we are reminded that we must never grow slack in our community experience. For Satan, we know, is active in his efforts to undermine our confidence in your goodness. So, Lord, even as we experience discomfort, for however that may last, help us to remain encouraged with the assurance that you, our God, our chief shepherd, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us in the eternal glory that is found in Christ. For it is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.
and amen.